Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So welcome back to the Anthony Gordon Show. It's a, it's a real, real pleasure to have, I think, a kindred spirit. Uh, in the studio, in uh, in David Meltzer. And here's why I say that, Dave. The genesis of the Anthony Gordon show was as follows. Um, I'm one of the speakers at like, a lot of these big Jewish retreats. So I'm in a Passover program with Dennis Prager, with Ben Shapiro. We're, I'm doing my thing. And both Ben and Dennis said, y- you're an unusual guy because you've got, I mean, you've got the Ivy League accolades, You've got, a, you've got the accent, you've got a bit of humor, you've got the frisbee on your head, you know, and a lot of what you're imparting, and I see it this in you, Dave, is really tools for life. And there's a lot of, there's a bunch of podcasts out there about how to become rich, how to do this, but how about millions of people, I think primarily in the millennial generation, I think living lives of quiet desperation and, de- and unhappy people. There you go. I think they're drinking the Kool-Aid and... And I think a lot of them are in, are in pain. And there's very few people that I think they can resonate with, that they don't feel are patronizing them, that hopefully can give them some arrows in their quiver to help them have a more fulfilled, meaningful life. I look at guys like you and I. Uh, we both at a certain age and stage in our, in our 50s, although you look about 30. <laughs> um, where you have to have some wisdom. You have to have some years under your belt. We've both screwed up in our lives. We both... Um, you know, had missteps. I think the common denominator amongst others is, is three things. We're both incredibly good looking. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think we both are, I think we both are okay about being vulnerable and say we screwed up and being, being honest people in a world where I, I think there's more, you know, a lot more form than substance. And I think that we've both had success in our different journeys. So give some, so here's what I think the premise of the uh, of the show is. What do you think is some of the biggest myths of let's call it pop culture that's really causing so many people to ascend up a ladder only to realize that it's leaning against the wrong wall? I think the biggest myth is the one that I live by the first section of my life uh, because I was born into scarcity with a single mom and six kids. Uh, and it says it up here, right? Money... I believe bought happiness and bought love. And it was reinforced by almost my entire journey till I was in my thirties because every step of the way it was reinforced by my success and what I perceived my mother's love given to me when I bought her a house and a car, what I perceived to be people when I, you know, was a millionaire and then a Mm multimillionaire, what I even perceived dating a girl when I was in law school to get engaged because her parents had a lot of money. And I felt that stability was worth, you know, the love that I could then endear. And then, you know, marrying my dream girl from the fourth grade that I knew. And, you know, once again, reinforcing, wow, she must like me because I have a lot of money. 
Uh, but the quantum shift where I really try to empower people is money is super important. And I know it's a different view okay. than, no, than most people. I believe money is the currency of this vibration, of this pragmatic mm -hmm. world. And I believe it's so important because it allows you to shop. Uh, and so money allows you to shop. And if you shop for the right things, you know, if you, if you shop for community centers to build in Africa, and yeah. you, you shop to educate people and for healthcare and for our environment, if you shop for the right things, you're gonna be super happy. And if you shop, for the wrong things as I did in my past, mm -hmm. it's gonna create emptiness. Uh, and sometimes shopping with money we don't have is something that you have taught me er earlier today, right? A lot of people shop with money that they mm -hmm. don't have, which is something at a grand scale that I was able to do and shopping for the wrong reasons so people will respect you. Yep. Uh, so people will feel grateful. I, I actually was extremely generous when I was young and wealthy, but even when I gave money, I traded it. I, I was a trader because I would give my mom a house in a car with expectations back that I wanted the honorarium. I wanted to be respected. I wanted to be able to, you know, have my mom tell everybody and think of me higher. And everything I did was a trade. And yet people, it was generous of me. I didn't have to give money to charity, mm -hmm. but I get, I shopped for the wrong reasons, right? I shopped for the, even when I was giving money to the Jewish Academy and to my brother's It was temple. an agenda. Yeah, of course. And it's much more valuable to shop in the right way with the right purpose and for the right things because I never trade anymore. I, I shop unconditionally. I give unconditionally. You said, you know, uh, beloved is how people describe yeah, me. Yeah, that's for sure. Which is not how they would describe me through all my past. And it's funny because my name, David, means beloved. Yep. And Meltzer actually means servant or waiter. Yeah. So I... I live my life as I was named, which is a beloved servant. I'm a beloved waiter. I'm a beloved person who's here to provide value and service and also learn that in order to provide the most value, and this is what I want to teach these kids, it's not just about giving because it becomes really trite to them. You know, more you give, the more you get. And it gets old and all they hear is yeah, it's the, a cliche. Right, the Charlie Brown teacher. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. But where I really believe is one, money's super important, and two, you gotta ask to receive. Receiving with a purpose mm -hmm. is one of the greatest things. The wealthiest people on earth give the most impact. You know, when Bezos gives $10 billion to our climate, that has a major impact. For or sure. $2 billion to homelessness, that has a huge impact. Well, he has to ask, and we have to feel worthy of what we receive, which all goes back to my ultimate premise of being happy yeah, my it, only missions to help impact others like you to impact others to impact others to be happy i think i can impact over the next 60 years over a billion people no i i, I that's one of the things i want to discuss yeah, i agree please. with you 100 so i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you something that i be audacious enough to to say i don't think you've heard before because it's, it's from the, it's from uh it's from the hebrew it's from the use of the word Hebrew. um how we use the etymology in hebrew so I wear a number of different hats, different yarmulkes <laughs> in the roles that I play. So I speak on campus a lot and I'm – one of the talks that I'm asked to give what often is dispelling myths. So one myth that I dispel all the time on campus is the concept of love at first sight. Now, from a Torah perspective, there's no such a thing. Why? Because the Hebrew word for love – and this is going to dovetail with what you said – the Hebrew word for love is ahava. If you take the 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 shoresh, the the root out, hey vase means to give. So love is not an emotion. Love is a byproduct of giving. 
the more you give, the more you love, which is one of the reasons why the Talmud says that as a general rule, a parent will always, always love a child more than the child loves a parent. Because you're investing something in yourself. Is there such a thing as lust at first sight? Of course. But I think one of the most important things in working with athletes is trying to help them realize that they're not just sinews and muscle and there's a heart, there's a soul, and if it's a three-legged stool. They, their entire life, the guy's focused on how fast and how – and I come along. I don't want to photo up. I don't want to sign jersey. I'm not trying to get in his pocket. In fact, I don't want to manage his money. I don't want to be his agent. So really it's disarming for them because they're ready to get hit up. And we talk about how to – firstly, how to make a transition into the next, you know, the next part of their life. Um, but also the enormous emotional impact when the curtain comes down and you leave the, the NBA or the NFL, it's an existential crisis for these guys. It's a death. It's a de- They're no longer number 27. So who are they? And no one, it's a huge void. That's really interesting because taking what you are teaching me, I have a saying, you can't give what you don't have, which then is aligned with you know receiving. But love you know, my mentor uh, who taught me, he kept saying, your biggest problem, this is before I lost everything. He said, Dave, you got to learn to love you. You love everybody else. That's you, very true. Right? You, you don't, you're not going to have enough. You got, you got to learn to love you. And I switched my entire paradigm from even my core values of my wife when I recovered financially from yep. going bankrupt. She, I said, what do you want? You know, my, I'm still learning. I'm, what, what can I do for you? You have saved my life. You have re-engineered my vision of life. You are my inspiration. You are not perfect, but you're perfect for me. I adore you. What can I do? And she said, <clears throat> you need to take care of yourself, right? Because you can't, if you take care of yourself, I know you're going to take care of everybody else. It's inherent. So I'll tell you, just as I said, in, it's, uh, as I said, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I think that I attribute a large part of my success, not to IQ, but to EQ. Which is, I look at a guy like this who's emotional, who's visceral, and I see that you're very real, and I see the emotions are very raw. Can you distinguish between giving because you care or giving because it's people pleasing? Yeah. Because I think that a lot of people, and I, I like you, I grew up with no dough. If I was not the top guy in my class, I would never have gone to Harvard, Oxford. It's all scholarships, uh, and I, you know the pressure of always being. <laughs> and 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 it's a different. And I sat next to Harvard Business School, Sununu. Uh, Obama Rothschild Obama was in my law school yeah I'm some schnook from South Africa you know it was but I was just I was very real and these guys are trying to out Rockefeller and out Rothschild each other (laughs) and that's what I I think and I carried that I think that people genuinely connect with people who are real I wasn't trying to be anyone but who I am it's interesting because you describe that and my family has an inherent quantum nature to be the IQ side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harvard, Penn, Columbia, summa cum laude, geniuses, right? If you met my rabbi brother, there's probably academically, Lee Steinberg's probably the only one I know IQ-wise. That was in his league. And, and I'm born with a quantum IQ, but I have, I have an IQ chip on my shoulder, but a true humble EQ. And, I, and as I've gotten older, I've really loved the fact that people identify my EQ um, and I've downplayed my IQ for years because I didn't pay attention to it because it was just natural and it didn't excite me. Yeah. But the EQ side really excited me to grow and to learn and to practice my emotional intelligence. So hopefully this will give you some uh, solace and it'll give you some reassurance. I'm 30 years, I was going to go back to my Harvard Law School reunion. I'm 30 years out of law school and I just went last year to Harvard Business School's course. If I look back at the people in my class and I, and I see their journey of life, 
there's a large part of them that that were not able to navigate the vicissitudes of life because EQ at the end of the day is going to be a lot more important than IQ. And you've got that for sure. That's the part that understand can read a room, that perception. That doesn't translate into, I don't care how, what, what kind of mental IQ you have. And I, that I, you clearly have. I can see, uh, you know, it comes It's across. interesting, right? Because I like, am so attracted to people like you, my friend Hartley back here who's sitting, but, you know, the Gary Vaynerchuks and yeah. Tom Bilyeu's and mm-hmm. uh, even Ed Milet's, you know, that yeah. just, I'm immediately attracted because I have this emotional connection uh, with them and why they're hugely successful and they know that they'll always be like through this re-engineering and repurposing that other people are calling a crisis of this virus. I like my EQ is on fire, right? Because all I'm seeing is how can I help others stabilize? How can I help others create and make room for what they want? And what opportunities can I share with people? You know, I used an example earlier today that just, I told the lady, I'm like, you may think this is sick, but you know, she's like, well, how can you help people? I said, well, I can give everyone two weeks right now. And she's like, what? I go, well, most people are being laid off for three weeks, right? Everyone, yeah. the school's till April 6th, everything's April 6th. And I'm like, I'll just give everybody right now the way my mind thinks. Nothing to do academically. I said, I know for a fact that 80 hours a year are spent looking, people lose things. For sure. I said, so if you're at home with nothing to do right now, start creating a system where to put your wallet and your keys, which are the two primary things that people lose and spend 80 hours looking for. I just gave you 80 hours, right? (laughs) That's 40 hours of productive time because for the rest of the year, when we get out of this, you're going to have 40 extra hours to have activity you get paid for. You know, and why are you worried? Go ahead and figure out a way to get, you know, literally for me, my mind's thinking, okay, I got time now. Let me figure out more ways that I can be more productive, yep. provide value, more accessible to others and access what I want and be more grateful because those three lenses are going to create an extraordinary amount of abundance. I'm going to make so much money, not because I'm taking advantage no, no, of it's, it's abundance. I'm going to ask you a question just getting a sense of who you are, yeah. and then I'm going to ask you a question that I ask all my guests, and there's no right or wrong, it's just the truth. Here's the question about uh, who you are, and I, and I, I can intuit the answer, but I, I'm interested in how you respond. Do you ever freak out in, that you're going to wake up tomorrow morning and it's all gone? Not even close. I used to. Right, I used to, and guess what? I did. I woke up one morning and it was all gone. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. Is that a raw emotion where you feel I, it can happen again? Never. I, I, cause for, for me, you know, I'm on a journey now to enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of my potential. Yeah. I, I see that. So for me, I could never get so far off of center because my goal is to be aware of when I'm off center, what I call ego-based consciousness, need to be right, need to be offended, need to be separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry, yeah. resentful, offended. all these different needs are the needs that made me afraid that I wake up tomorrow morning and I would have nothing. So I, 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 here's my point of departure. One thing that's axiomatic to being, uh, I'm an Orthodox Jewish guy, so there's certain, yeah. so one of the basic axiomatic principle is there's no serendipity, there's no coincidence, everything. Do you believe that you had to go through that financial nightmare to be the person that you are today? That's a wonderful question. I'm one of the few people that hit rock bottom two years before I lost everything. You rock bottom financially or rock bottom emotionally? Emotionally. So Uh, for me, it's a little bit different because I know I wouldn't be the same if I I had that money, but I was always 
already on a journey of awareness because of my wife and my mom guiding me about principles and values. So I was going through a quantum shift, a transformation before I lost everything. In fact, one of the things that made my wife most uncomfortable was when I did lose everything, how comfortable I was. It, gonna, but that it, speaks volumes about who you are in terms of your, your... Yeah, and her, you know, for me, like, I love the fact, I know I wouldn't be the same, but moreover than that, two years before, if my wife didn't literally give me the shock of my life, it saved my life, right? I was, it was painful. Yeah, oh, because I adore my wife. And she reminded uh, me, we talked about the reminders. No, I'm not, I'm, I have, it seems like I have the same dynamic with my yeah, wife. My, my, my wife reminded me, you started off by telling me, you know, when they ask you about your kipo, your yarmulke on your head, that this is a reminder of humility. That yeah. th there's a greater source of energy, light, and lessons yep. in the universe. Um, my wife is my yarmulke. That's beautiful. Right. So yeah, you, I know so you get that. The other I, people I more than get the, the Talmud says that your wife is your home. It's also yeah. I want to I, I want to spend some time uh, speaking uh, offline. So I want to be in, in sensitive to time. Let's say it's binary, um, Dave. If you had to choose between being happy or being wealthy, happy for sure, without a doubt. And I'm looking in my peripheral vision at a sign that says that money doesn't buy happiness. Yeah, no ha happiness for sure. So why do you think it is, and you know this and I know this, we mix in the similar circles in similar ways, that I'm looking at most of my – the millennial generation are chasing, I think, a mirage. And so much of their self-worth is dependent on likes and response on this – it's insane. Yeah. It's such an – you know – we, we're separate, and so it's so funny, right? Unification is such a huge word, and it's such a need. Even when before this unifying disease has occurred, which is really what it is, yeah. it's a reminder of this unification. They did Stanford did a great research on what people wanted as a president to the millennials, uh -huh. right? Because obviously they want that rock the vote, right? Yeah, yeah which sure. they'll never rock because kids want to drink and party, yeah, and want to vote. So. But moreover, it was so interesting because the number one, whether Republican or Democrat, of all millennials, the number one things kids wanted out of their next president was someone that would unify us. Because People they feel, feel so separate. Yeah, it's pretty sad. They, and by the way, I think that's, I mean, I could be, could be wrong, but I think that's one of the reasons that's, that's attracted both you and I to sport. I think sport transcends everything i mean we got to take uh, trips to israel sure. i went with josh norman i'm an orthodox i went with josh norman to the river to be baptized i went with we walked with the air we're looking at similarity there's a ball this thing there's commonality and it breaks barriers yeah it totally does and i think with the social media aspect and being one of the older people on social media myself i call myself the old man of the internet zadie of the yeah exactly <laughs> i'm the zadie of the i love that there's a third yeah right there just call me bubby of the internet um <laughs> anyway but what's true is because you can fix things on the internet you, yeah. you, the, the internet Here's the four things how I monetize the internet. I know how to capture what I do in person. Yeah. Shakespeare said the world is a stage. It truly is. Yeah. I can take a meetup and turn it into like an inspirational stage for everyone to learn from. Just a meetup. People around the community come and ask me questions. So you learn to capture this. Yeah. Then you learn to modify it. And that's the dangerous part. Yeah, yeah. Right? Sure. The modification creates something that's not realistic. Mm -hmm. Now, I modify 
through a lens of inspiration. So the only thing I do, I don't ever face tune this ugly mug. You know, I don't make myself look skinnier. I'm not standing in front of cars I don't own. That bolt <clears throat> outside is really my car. The one that I scratched? Yeah, oh. that's fine, because it's a bolt. <laughs> that Don't scratch that guy's uh, rolls over there, because they'll start crying. I've been through that in my life. But no, but think about it. My modification is to enhance inspiration, not to separate us with false right? False idols. Then you go to capture, modify, amplify. Just the word amplify tells you the problem of the separation. Yep. Then you have perpetuation. So not only are we capturing, uh, modifying, and amplifying, but then it's perpetual. So when somebody gets popular, like a Kim Kardashian with uh -huh. her fake boobs and her fake butt uh -huh. and her fake well. He's a real, by the way. Yeah, me too. Uh -huh. uh, moobsies. And then, uh, <laughs> but the, literally, now it's unfortunate, but it's perpetual. So we're attracting like a huge magnet, more and more millennials into this huge cesspool of fakeness 100%. and separation. And then they feel like, why do I feel so, so anxious? Why, why do I need to take this pill? Why do I, well, I can't sleep? Oh, I'm going to smoke more of some of this or drink 100%. some. It's, literally such a huge problem. Here's what I think, and then I'm going to wrap it up with the final question, yep. which I I, uh, I think I try and ask all my guests. I think he has a huge myth, Dave, and I, and I try and dispel this in, you know, in all of the public addresses that I give. I think people think that a happy life is a pain-free life. Yeah. I've never met anyone, anyone in my life, and I've probably met, you and I probably have a disproportionate amount of people we've met that has been successful without pain. And if you think pain equals bad, then you have to take a joint. You have to, to be, but if pain is the price you pay for greatness, it's a different perspective. Yeah. Why do you think Hoff and Goggins are so popular right now? Because people know the truth vibrates the fastest. 100%. And these guys, here's what I've learned about pain. That's very interesting. Lessons, if you haven't learned a lesson, right? So this is why pain's so important. If you haven't learned the lesson, it results in physical, mental, spiritual, or emotional pain. 100%. That's the indicator that you haven't learned. It's not going to go away until you've learned the lesson. So you're not. So if you're going to drug yourself because you feel pain, or the why me, not Crazy. the try me. I'm smiling because you're such a kindred spirit. Okay, <laughs> we're going to do some great things together. Here's the the wrap up because yeah. I'm going to spend some time. Good. You're 99 years old. Boom microphone. When I'm 19. When you're 99, 99 years, the boom microphone is roaming around. Your beautiful uh, wife, kids, buddies. The birthday cake, a lot of candles. What do you want them to be saying about you? Gosh, I, I think about it all the time. Kind. Just, I get choked up. I'll tell you why you get choked up. I'm exactly the same way. I, I, I am an incredibly emotional speaker. I, I bawl a lot. Yeah. And, 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 I, and, I, and I don't fight it anymore. So I, my late mom was a very, very prominent therapist in South Africa. You can, I'll show you articles and, and it's it's much healthier. It's being in touch with your emotions. I'm not. I, it's just very foreign to me that I'm not from this country, and I think South Africans, we I think just culturally we were just more genuine, more real. I never grew up around cowboys don't cry, put on a facade. I just yeah. didn't grow up. So I'm, I, I, you know, and that, yeah. that's why I feel that I'm speaking to someone who who's you're a soul. You're a very spiritual person. And I think that it's such a it's such a breath of fresh air in the world of sports, big egos, and the worlds that we live in. Um, it's rough out there, but Dave, you're a diamond in the rough. Well, I appreciate that. I know we have a long journey now together, and yep. just thank you so much for the opportunity to utilize your platform to hopefully help inspire other people to be kind. Yeah, you know, I 
we'll say this, the one thing I got from Lee Steinberg, I just love this saying, right? Be kind to your future self, do good deeds, mitzvahs, Yeah. right? It's That's just so simple. I've changed my whole life. I look to see how I can be kind and do good deeds. And this is the best time to do it right now. So thank you for coming in here. Great pleasure. And uh, we're uh, the journey's just beginning. David Meltzer, thanks. Thanks for listening. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.